the media bias of The Guardian goes on full display. I'm Marco Perry. Welcome to the Perry Platform. Objective journalism is more a myth these days than a reality, and that's true for most circumstances. The issue is when they pretend to still be objective when they've clearly gone down the route of subjectivity. I'm an opinion show. I am open about that. Everyone knows it. I present reports and then I break them down from my perspective. Nobody's under any illusions here at the Perry platform. Hopefully you find my perspective interesting and you stick around, but it's an honest exchange. Places like CNN, Fox, The Guardian, The New York Times, The Washington Post, all of them have something in common. They claim to be and they put up a facade of objective journalism. They're telling you the truth and nothing but it. But in reality, it's often far away from that. It's largely opinion-based, conjecture, or seeped in an agenda. What I have to point out on today's show is an example of this from The Guardian, a major publication. It seems to me that what I'm about to highlight in today's episode is not really a deviation, but more so a trend. Publications are rapidly becoming less about fact and more about pushing agendas onto the populace. So here we go. The headline of the article in question, Canadian police prepared to shoot indigenous activists. Whoa, that sounds pretty bad, right? With a headline like that, you must expect a grim reality. Something crazy must have happened for that to be possible. It's the headline after all. The story is going to revolve around that. And these publications are not idiots. They understand the power of that. A lot of readers only read the headline, especially when it's posted on social media. They're going to take that, internalize it, and use it as a token of the entire story. They have strategically chosen something that's inflammatory by nature and not wholly representative of the entire situation, as I'm going to show you. But before we get to that, let's try and dissect what their agenda could be. It seems to me that the narrative being pushed here, right off the bat, is that first of all, cops are bad. They are an evil organization and you should not trust them under any circumstance. Look at this, they're trying to prepare to shoot indigenous people. That's crazy, right? The second thing is, you should be angry. This is an injustice and you should not stand for it. We're trying to bring you the truth of the matter. And the next thing that they're trying to push to is that the indigenous people are being treated unfairly in this alarming situation, in this particular story. And they want that to map onto an overarching theme. They want that to seep into the way that you view Canada. So let's see what The Guardian writes about that headline. Canadian police were prepared to shoot indigenous land defenders blockading construction of a natural gas pipeline in northern British Columbia. The RCMP, that's the police force in question here, instructed officers to use as much violence towards the gates, aka the road blockages, as possible. Police records seen by The Guardian include police strategy sessions and that's where they discovered the strategy of being prepared to shoot if necessary. Now, let's shed some light on the story from other sources. Certain pieces of key information are not being accounted for adequately by The Guardian, but if you simply look online, there are court orders and other articles that tell a different tale. To understand how the situation unfolded, you must understand the context. So, first of all, this First Nations group had set up blockades along a road to protest against an oil company who was doing work in this land. Now, that itself would be perfectly appropriate if the blockades were not set up on public roads. Protesting is within everybody's right, but you must do it within the confines of the law. You can break the law to protest. They would therefore invalidate your right. 
because you are violating the rights of other people, which the law is meant to uphold. So, it went before a court, and a judge issued a court injunction that required the removal of the blockades they set up. On the roads, the judge said take them away. Now that seemed to be a pretty logical response to the situation. They were on public roads and they were shutting it down. You can't just do that. It's public property. You can't close it because of what you deem to be a worthy cause. Even if the cause itself is in fact worthy. When the group was presented with a court order, they allegedly failed to obey the instructions. So, what do you do in that scenario? The court system. The semblance of peace, order, and justice in our country told a party to do something in accordance with the law and they did not do it. What choices do you have but to use police force to make sure the law is administered? The court order, it has to be followed. Of course law enforcement, in this case the RCMP, has to intervene. There is not an alternative here. It's either you do that or you do nothing. This is separate though from the issue of the oil company being there. There are two very different things. This is not in response to the oil company, it's in response to a court order telling you not to enact these blockades on the road. If we allow ourselves to be sidetracked for a little bit, I must admit I'm open to the argument of not giving the oil companies contracts in that land. I think there's a fair case to make about it. Oil companies typically have a history of destroying anything in their path, in the pursuit of profit. If a community is against that, that's fine. It's a valid argument. What you have to grasp here though is not that. It's a separate contention. What we're talking about is the rule of law. When a judge orders the removal of a blockade and it is not obeyed, you do not leave them much option. This is what the Guardian is missing. This leads to my next point though which is more important and that is even if people don't obey, the police cannot act violently. That would be a disgrace to our democracy and our country. So the RCMP showed up and they did not act violently. They did not shoot anybody. This event actually occurred. The Guardian is reporting post hoc. What did unfold though was 14 people were arrested on the site and half of those people were released almost immediately, 6 remained in custody and those that remained were held for violations of the Supreme Court injunction. The police did their job appropriately. This was a far cry from a violent assault against the protesters. You want to know what the worst thing was? Somebody had their hand twisted as they were being arrested and they injured their wrist a little bit. That is the full extent of the violence that the RCMP administered on that day. And on top of that, we don't even understand the circumstances that led to that. And underlying all of this is that it's not even a major grievance to uphold. What actually happened versus what the Guardian attempted to paint are two very different things. And I want to take apart now their central concerns to illustrate just how they play with words and how they're having an impact on the public dialogue. Before we get into that though, we have to make a distinction. If you want to make the case that the indigenous people are in the right and the oil company should be fought against, I'm open to that. In fact, I may even be on that side of things depending on how the argument is framed. But to summarize that issue and make it seem to readers that people were on the verge of being shot is dishonest reporting. That was the headline in the article. Now let's debunk that. First of all, Canadian police were prepared to shoot. That's what they're trying to get across to you. They seem to misunderstand what police procedures really are. I'm not too sure if they're doing that willingly or unwillingly, but it's what's happening here. They have contingency plans, the police, in case things go south. You have to be prepared to shoot as an officer in virtually any circumstance. That is your last line of defense if danger presents itself to you. Being prepared is not the same 
as being eager. This is how they play with words here. They make it seem as if it is eager they're talking about, that these guys wanted to shoot them, but the case is no. This is just part of procedure, being prepared. If it was a case where the officer said, yeah, we want to shoot these protesters, or we're going to shoot them at the slightest provocation, then yes, that's a problem. That's a distinct issue. To be prepared is simply another day at the office for police, though. This is not news. They are prepared to shoot in virtually any circumstance given the proper precursors. Even at a simple traffic stop, you have to be prepared to shoot if the driver, for example, gets out and tries to stab you. There is a distinction to be made here. Readiness is a mandatory thing that is needed to do your job effectively. It's a nonsensical conflation that the Guardian presents here. There is no logic to it. They don't even understand what it means to be a cop, yet they want to interpret that, willingly or unwillingly, I'm going to say willingly because they're educated people, but they want to use that data and paint a picture to you to push an agenda. Cops are evil. Condemn this right now. The situation is totally unfair to the tribe. In reality, it's not so black and white. You want to know how we can be sure that it's not as bad as the Guardian tried to paint it? Well, that's easy. We can simply look at the facts of the case because it actually happened. We know exactly what went down on that day. Nobody got shot. It was just another day in the office trying to take down the barricade, and they were prepared. It was a what-if scenario. What if things go crazy and violence breaks out? You have to be prepared to take actions to remedy that. That's a simple fact of it, and it would be the same fact in any scenario. At this encounter, people did get arrested, but nobody was on the verge of being murdered at the hands of the RCMP. They did their job adequately and within the confines of the law. We don't want people to get shot. That's a point we can all agree on, but it's a fundamental misunderstanding of the job and what these operations entail to be making this conflation, to be trying to paint the picture where just because they are prepared, it means that there is something nefarious going on behind the scenes. Canada does not have an issue of police murdering protesters. It's simply not a reality here. Having plans and procedures in place for the worst case situation is not headline news. Yet, here we are, and here it is. There really are quite clear-to-see formulas that the media is taking advantage of these days. Fear-mongering, combined with clickbait, combined with agenda-based news, and that is all wrapped into a nice little package in this article. That is unfortunately fast becoming the norm in numerous marking-leading publications. And I just want to conceptualize for a second the ripple effect of such articles and what they do to our country. So, a lot of people will see that headline. It's a long article. Not a lot of people are going to read the article, and the article itself is heavily biased too. You have to actually look into the scenario from both sides, read the details, look at the court orders, and it's a lot of work. To the average social media user, it's simply easy to scroll through, see that headline, and think, wow, the RCMP are crooked. This scenario here is evil. It's not to say that there are not scenarios in the past or are going to be in the future that don't involve police corruption, but this was not one of them. And to paint it like it is is dishonest. It pushes their narrative, and it leads people to believe something that is not true. Then the next step here, after that initial belief, is to internalize the message. That then is going to alter your worldview. It's going to propel you into a realm of political polarization. You're going to see things from a black and white perspective because of the clickbait style articles here. It's not conductive of, first of all, a successful country, two, rational political exchange, and three, honest debate. You can't have it when the very basis of your information is flawed. And it leads me to my next point. What does truth even mean? 
How can we have so many people not on the same page about it? The essence of truth. Sam Harris referenced a quote before, and I think it speaks loudly to our current scenario. If something like 9-11 happened again in today's world, it's very likely that we would not be on the same page about it. There would be two groups of people with completely radically different ideas of what went down and how to rationalize it. The true essence of what transpired would be hard to reach because of that. Because of the polarization, everyone has their own narratives based on ideology and truth submerges below that. The media has played a role in this and it's very obvious. People are getting the fake news narrative because of actions like this and I don't think we should distrust all media organizations but they have to be held to a higher standard and we need a return of true journalism. This is simply not it and does not make the cut. At the same time, it's not just the media. We have politicians who are openly dishonest, who tell you lies and they expect you to eat it up. It's simply a culture that does not embrace the truth anymore. I believe you can also say that the final cherry on top is this new wave of postmodernism, moral relativism, thinking that truth is just simply a matter of opinion. Anything can be justified in the right circumstance and everyone has their own truth, whatever that means. The idea of having an objective reality paired with objective truth is thrown out the window and replaced with this idea of your interpretation is valid simply because it is yours. It's the incorrect way to conceptualize the world that is doomed for failure because we need to be more cohesive. Ideologies like that just do one thing and that is soul confusion among the masses, making you easier to take advantage of. There is a core bedrock that we do base our civilization on and that has to be returned to, at least at the very least these should be held in common amongst us. Freedom of speech combined with the essence of truth are the pillars of our nation and they should be our highest values. Now, especially with truth, sometimes we don't live up to it, but we cannot abandon the idea. We have to strive towards it and when we falter, we have to correct and go back on course. Same with freedom of speech, we cannot be actively trying to erode these things, but conversely, in today's world, that's what happened. They began to decay. Efforts are actually being made to stop the repairal of them. People are pushing to damage them further. It's not conductive to what we've been trying to build up for centuries. What we have here is an exception. It's a unique thing. This civilization we built is a miracle and nothing short of it. Trying to tear it down simply disregards the fact that most of human history has not been as good as we have it. And partially why we have it so good is due to pillars like that. When outlets actively try to warp reality to match agendas on a grand scale, we have an issue and it has to be tackled. There is a sort of going back that we have to undertake as a nation. We have to return to some of these core principles and at least be on the same page about those because if those bedrocks disappear, there's nothing left in our society. You have conversation and when you cannot converse with people, what options do you have left other than violence? That's simply how things go. Freedom of speech and truth, they are core tenets of a conversation and intellectual ones that propel our country forward. To destroy those is to destroy our only means of civilized discourse and it will leave you with the barbaric tools that we've known for far too long. So, that now brings me to the end of today's conversation. If you enjoyed the content, be sure to leave a review and share. That'll help our channel grow. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at PerryPlatform. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you soon.